Who are we? What is this? And why should you listen? This is the premiere episode of The, the Northeast, Northeast Scene. What's up, everybody? This is the premiere episode of the Northeast Scene podcast, and I'm Keith, and I'm Tom. What's up? The two of us run the Instagram account, the Northeast Scene, so please follow it. That's the N E Scene on Instagram. It's like a it's like a collection of uh, old show flyers and ticket stubs and. Show videos I've taken over the years and that Tommy's taken over the years. And kind of a collective. See, I had this large collection of... Uh, <laughs> and and it's the funny part is I never collected anything. Like I, like 90% of what's on the site is literally just Keith archiving things and doing the right thing. And it's me being like, oh yeah, I found an old ISIS ticket, ticket stub here. <laughs> and I'm glad that I held on to that stuff because this, is, this whole thing started because... Uh, I had this big collection of high eight tapes, my the the stuff I filmed back in the day, and I think I think it's gone. I think they all got thrown out, and it, it breaks my heart every day. It's my fault. It's my fault. I left them at my old house, and uh, yeah, they just got trashed. <laughs> I just never, I never, I never went and picked them up. So this t this is kind of like, all right, I got to start documenting what I have now, as kind of a just a way to preserve it. I mean, because that's a lot of what we do is like thinking about like how that old stuff kind of affects us today because we still go back to that thing. Like I still go back and think about that stuff and go, wow, that was a wild time or like, oh, that was really fun or like, oh, wait, that went really wrong there for a while. And in looking through those things, at least for me, helps me remember. Like I'm like, I can look at a show bill and I'll go, oh my God, I remember talking to people outside that show or wait, I remember there was a fight at that show or I remember there was this type of thing. Like that's, exactly. that's huge because it sparks all of that stuff. Or even if I just see, you know, there was one I saw a few weeks ago where I saw um, Blue Skies Fade on a, on a show bill. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't thought of that name in 15 years. <laughs> and then as soon as I thought of it i was like oh try hampton ymca and all the other shows that went along with it and it's this flood of memories that come back and i mean for the life of me i think most of it is like it's it's all 99 of it's positive and mm. it's just i it's something that i want to make sure that like you and i have talked about this before it's been such a just hardcore in general has been such a formative part of our lives oh yeah and it's just Maybe it's, maybe the most formative. I think for sure. It, it gave me my ideals. It gave me my best friends. It gave me purpose and wanting to perform music and all that stuff. So, you know. So, yeah, this it's like an amends. Circling back, the account is an amends to myself for fucking throwing away the tapes. <laughs> I'm like, let me start the <laughs> let me start the archiving now and and you know, and I won't fuck it up again and have everything thrown away. So, the question we like to start with, with for everybody, Tommy, give us the rundown of your introduction to hardcore and the scene in general. Okay, so this all started a, like probably my sixth grade year. My older sister, so I have, I have two sisters and three stepsisters that I all grew up with, and one of my sisters 
her and I were very close growing up and she moved away to college and when I was in sixth grade and I remember being like devastated because she was like everything to me. She was the person that my mom worked a lot of times. My dad, you know, had passed away when I was younger and my sister was the person that was so influential on, you know, she was the one that got me into skateboarding. She was the one. And when she moved away to Kutztown, she made friends with a lot of guys that were in uh, straight advanced. Uh, so she was friends with their name, uh, the, the Bartos. They were both from Emmaus. They were into skateboarding, but they were also in a straight edge band called Atari. And I think it was in seventh grade, I was missing my sister super bad. And my mom said, you know, I trust your sister enough that you can go up there and I'll drop you off for the day and you can spend the night with your sister. And next thing I knew my sister was taking me to a straight edge show and I got to see Atari and a bunch of like, you know, local, like kind of Pocono area or not Pocono area, but like that, uh, that scene that was at Kutztown at the time. And from then I remember I bought, um, cause my sister had given me money and she was like, Hey, here, go buy some records. And I was just floored, I, you know, like looking through that stuff. I'd never seen. What were your intro records? I don't even know what it was called. I still remember mine. Hatebreed, Satisfaction, Inside Out, and uh, let's see, Turmoil, I think. Okay. The, the first Turmoil LP. Oh, the first Turmoil. So yeah. I, 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 the one I remember distinctly, I still have it. I bought the Quicksand. Yes. Um, the, it, was the, it was like an EP that had Kennedy's head made out of an apple. That was the one on Rev. Um, So that was what I bought there that day. I also bought Atari's uh, 7-inch that they had. And from then, it was a weekly thing of I would go and try and visit my sister. Like, it was always just like, I want to see more of this. And I think the biggest thing that really got me into hardcore was in... So, like, that was my intro to the music side of it. Going to shows with my sister was so... Like... It was so much fun that I was like, I got to find this around here. And in 10th grade, I got on the bus and there was this little chubby kid sitting across from me. Uh, We were sitting there talking about something because we, you know, we had a long bus ride. We both of us lived in like the Southampton area and uh, we went to LaSalle College High School in Winmore. So our bus ride was like a little bit under an hour every morning and every afternoon. And I remember he was like, hey, what are you listening to? And at that point in time, I was listening to the Minor Threat discography. And uh, he was like, oh, you're into punk rock. And we started like chatting. And the next thing I knew, we were starting a band. Um, And that's really where like him and I started playing music together and started playing shows. And that's when I was like, you know, we played at you know, Trihampton YMCA, um, Southampton Youth Center, and we started playing these shows. And I was like, oh, my God, there's this whole scene of kids like that are literally within a few miles of my house. So was that Audience of One, the first band? So no. <laughs> you were in another band. Yeah, so it wasn't I even had called... no idea. So it wasn't what was even... the first band? Well, depending on the week, <laughs> Anthony and I changed the name all the time because we were. Oh, coming. but it was you and Anthony. It was just Anthony and I at first. How was it? Wait, was it a two piece? Yeah. Who drummed? Me. So you drummed and he played guitar? Yeah. Really? In my basement. Wow. With a 
ridiculous like a child's drum set like one of those like like little kid junior ones like the bass drum was only like 15 inches or something like that. it was really it was like a, it was a joke to us like i mean but it was funny because we had at that point gotten into like probably about midway through anthony's freshman year and my sophomore year we had really gotten into like crust and grindcore stuff yeah and <laughs> We, you know, I remember conversations where we were like, dude, these kids are making noise and we can make this like we can do that. That's what I thought of that band is as more like not screamo what it is today. Yeah. Like back then, like, it, you know, that it kind was of stuff. it was literally uh, Anthony and I had found a record company out of um, Wisconsin called Bovine Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were putting out things like Cattle Press, Agents of Satan. Um, Nooth Grush, all that type of stuff. Nooth Grush, I remember <laughs> it was that. It just like some wild yeah. stuff, and it was just like, really what we started doing was just, we got a catalog from them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we had originally got it from Siren Records in Doylestown, and we just started ordering all this grind stuff. Uh, we found a drummer at school, this guy, um, Evan Madden, um, who actually I had a really funny run-in where is he works at Kung Fu Necktie now and is good friends with our mutual friend, Doug Sablik. Oh. Um, so Evan became the original drummer, and Evan was very like uh, technically proficient. Like uh, He was uh, like the main person in the competition band. He was the main person in the jazz band. He was, the main, like, he was a phenomenal drummer, but he was very interested in things like Slayer, at that point in time, he he had started getting into things like Emperor and Enslaved and a lot of the, like the newer black metal type of stuff that was coming out. And we all got together and started making music. And the fun part was is that we had no idea what we were doing. Right. Um, As many bands don't when they first start out. I know I didn't. Anthony was at school, and I don't know what he was doing after school, but he got on the bus in the afternoon, and he was like fired up. And he used to do this thing where he would literally crouch in the corner of the one seat. So we'd be on the same um, row of seats in the bus, but like separated by the aisle. And he would do it consistently because the bus driver wasn't paying attention. He would crouch in the corner of where he was seated and literally lunge at me and slam me into the wall. And oh my God. I heard him prepping the one day to jump at me because he was like, trying to get somebody's attention. Like, look, I'm going to jump on Tommy again. And I turned around <laughs> And I put my foot up at just the right time, and I, I kicked him right in the chest. And I remember he sat down for a second, like kind of caught his breath, and then coughed, and <laughs> like a handful of blood. <laughs> like I really kicked him pretty hard. Ouch. And uh, he was like, oh, my God. I don't know what just happened. Why would you do that? I'm like, why would you do, why would you hit me? Like, why would you do that? Like, I'm like, I'm completely sitting here by myself, not paying attention. Like, why would you do that? But that was really like, yeah, we started because of our mutual interest in just, just punk rock. And it, it evolved into us really getting into like grind and crust. And uh, we started this band. And that's what I remember audience of one being. That's kind of where our stories intersect. Yeah. I was friends with Mike and uh and pat and pat kind of took me under his wing and i was just getting into hardcore and going to shows and all that stuff and uh just for context mike shaw from this day forward and pat mccormick doing like booking and and stuff like that yeah just to yes shout out gentlemen yeah Uh, (laughs) so so i'm going to shows and uh getting involved in the local scene and they're like oh audience one audience one is playing all you know and I was like, okay. And I don't know where it was. It was some 
YMCA or something somewhere out by where you lived by like Churchville. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And I went, and I was blown away. You guys were really good. I'm telling you, back then, you had a buzz. Like, people liked seeing you. I remember, like, the guys from the end, like, oh. requesting the video footage I had of you guys to, like, watch. And people, people were into you. And I was blown away. I remember it being a really intense show. I remember you didn't have a shirt on. You <laughs> often did not play with a shirt on. And oh, yeah. just, just, to, just, I'm going to get it out there now. If, if, if our band ever happens... You have to wear a shirt, man. Okay. You just have to. That's all right. I'm yeah. older now. <laughs> I, I, I've grown out of that phase of my life where, you know. So we were, the, Mike Shaw's house was like the center of the entire Bucks County scene. Everything. And, and it people, was everything. You could, this was, it was weird thinking about it now because like, you know, this is like my friend's house. I would just show up and walk in. Unannounced. Like Didn't I lived there. on the door, just walk in and the nice part about going to the Shaws was it was consistently not just the Shaws. There was always uh, Randy Weir, Mike Golan, Vadim, you, Mike and Gary Shaw, Marina, uh, Tiff, everybody. Everybody. It was everybody from back then. You know, it was all those people. And there was something about. The- we would talk about shows and bands and shows. The girls hated it because <laughs> even the ones into the music, they were like, is this what we're going to do all night? And we were like, yes. This is consistent. And, then, and you know, so we just kept kind of going to shows. And I didn't see you a ton. I don't remember you, like, a lot. So I think that a large part of me getting involved in hardcore, I, I think there was a good portion of me that kind of shied away from like the social aspect of it Mm -hmm. i think so in seventh grade i had taken a scholarship test to go to LaSalle and had gotten a scholarship and my mom was very very serious about academics like anybody that knew my mom when i was younger you know she was a scary person uh (laughs) she's in she's a, a wonderful human being and very loving but my mother spent uh, 20 years of her life working in a prison. Um, oh, yeah. She's she's so she's not a person to be trifled with. She also, you know, she raised all of us on her own with my dad not being around. So it was like, it was wild. Like, you know, I really wanted to make my mother proud. And I think a large part of being into punk rock and hardcore, it really, I think she saw it as like a step backwards. She saw LaSalle and my academics as like a, a, a means to an end. He's going to get a good job. He'll become a lawyer. Well, look how that turned out, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, yeah. the lawyer thing didn't work out, but you've got a decent job. I do. I love what I do. Like, But, you know, at the time, at 15, 16 years old, my mom really saw, like, you know, you're going to play lacrosse you're gonna go to school you're gonna do well like you're gonna go to Villanova you're gonna go to you're gonna go to a great school and you're gonna you're gonna do well and I think a lot of the social aspect revolved around I spent a lot of time with just Anthony Um, Anthony and I really because of proximity we were so close we weren't within walking distance of our house but we could ride bikes to each other's houses for sure Um, and I think Anthony came from the same idea of like, you know, Anthony's grandfather was mayor of Philadelphia. There was this pedigree of like, you're going to do something. 
not with this like this petty like punk rock was it was petty it was like this is a oh it's a side interest it's a phase it's something you're going through and you're going to get over and it was like no like this is (laughs) i i love this more than i love most everything in this world like it's yeah i never reached that stage where i was like that's it you know i've i've I've, there's been periods where it's been a little more dormant uh maybe when i was younger and got into partying and stuff but like this is what i listen to i'm not gonna like start listening to the fucking like the beatles or or something boring like that like i need i need I need people to be hurting each other for <laughs> to be enjoying myself. I think that's another thing is like when I went to college. So when I went to college, I went to a school in Wilkesboro called King's College. And yeah. So this is this is uh, you went away to college. Yeah. And I think I went away from hardcore. Yeah, and I would only see you, I guess, during the summer or sometimes at shows. Yeah. We we weren't like call each other up and hang out, friends. No. But no. but. This is where things change. Now, you had an an ex girlfriend. Now we won't say her name. Oh yeah, because <laughs> we don't want to invoke any spirits. No. <laughs> However, Tommy was away at college, and I became friends with her, and I I started to like her. Oh, <laughs> now I remember now. Now, <laughs> the the smart thing to do would have just been to like not to really address those feelings and say, I'm friends with her. I'm friends with him. Let's move on. (laughs) But I was young and stupid. So I told her friend, her friend told her, and then the cat was out of the bag. Now, this is where I remember having another significant interaction with you. And I was shocked at how mature you were. Because you, I remember you specifically. I'm pretty shocked. <laughs> I don't remember this now. <laughs> now get this: we were on instant messenger, and you messaged me, and you're like, "You said, I'll never forget this. You're like, uh, you like her. Okay, how could I get mad at you for liking her? Like I like her. It would be weird for someone to not like her. And I was, I just, I don't know. Like I was, I was an, an emo. I was just a complete mess up until about three years ago. Like I would have been like oh i'm never talking to this guy again or or say like i'm gonna beat him up but i could never do it because i can't beat anybody up like you know it's just like how do you remember that do you like what i vaguely do remember i i I don't remember the instant messenger conversation for sure but i do remember it being like oh okay because my feeling was like well what is what it is like if she likes him or the other way around like i I saw, like, I think that was kind of the point in my life where I could already see that that relationship was kind of winding down as it was mm-hmm. because I was away at school. Um, she had just gotten into a really good school up in Boston, mm. and she was going to be moving away. And it was like, dude, this is going to be, you know, we're separated by 400-plus miles. It's going to be a ridiculous time to try and commute. We're mm-hmm. in college. Like, why don't we just kind of call it quits? But I think that was also the point in time where this thing was happening where it was like, you know— I couldn't take it personally because, again, like what you said was like I liked her too. Like I could see what the – she had so many redeeming qualities. She was fun to be around. Um, she was pretty. She was really smart. Like it was just – it was very like – and the other thing that I really did enjoy was she, I, at the time – I mean I still am, but I, I really was into skateboarding. Like really. Like I would – that was my – that was my Friday nights. That was my Saturday mornings. That was my Saturday afternoon. Like, that was my, I'm going to go skate. 
Um, and she was just so supportive of it. She was always really like, oh, that's cool. I'll come and watch. Or, all right, yeah, no, I'll, I'll see you afterwards. Or I'll come and pick you up from the spot when you're done. Um, just call, like, you know, just have somebody call me. Or like, uh, I'll come and pick you up at 8 o'clock. Like that kind of thing. We'll go out to the movies. Uh, that was huge. Because I think the other thing with that was I didn't, I guess with her, I knew that we really liked each other. So it was like, well, if she likes him more than me, like, good for her. Like, I trusted, <laughs> I really, like, I mean, I guess this was kind of a the, the naivete of, like, I, I knew that, like, regardless of what I thought, like, her emotions were hers. And no amount That's of That's so mature. I, well, at 37 now, looking back on it, I don't know. I don't remember being that mature when I was that Well, young. I remember shortly after that, you were hanging out with uh, Mike, the other Mike. And, Wait, uh, which Mike? Shaw? Mike M. Oh, okay, yes. yeah. And you... Oh, Lord. And you, <laughs> you, you were like, hey, we're hanging out at my house. Do you want to come over? And I, I was... Because par- I, I knew... Know. I you knew you we were going to beat you up? Yeah, I knew you guys were wild. <laughs> And I was like, this is a sting operation to beat me oh, up McGon- for revenge. McGonagall and I are going to jump you yes. my, in my backyard. <laughs> yes. And because I'm paranoid and, you know, like, so I, I was like, oh, I can't make it. But I, I doubt that was what was going to happen. I, yeah. No, no, absolutely not. I, I, I think with, especially with Mike, Mike was always, Mike was wild. Uh, he did have times where he was like... <laughs> too much to deal with sometimes because he he was just he's just an intense person he still is yes Um, but so i just flashed back i remember we hung out sometimes i remember we were hanging out at your ex's house and then we like drove back to my house to get like a bass and guitar and we were hanging out like all night like there was some there was sometimes like that there was yeah i do remember that we were we were at her house over in yardley i do remember this and there was a couple kids from south jersey there Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Like, um, no. Oh my God. So it was that dude. I want to say his name was Joe, but that dude, um, had come over and we were all just like partying and hanging out. Her parents had gone away for an extended period of time. And when I say extended, I mean like they were gone for like two weeks or something like that. Mm. So that house became like a go to, like, she lives in this nice, big house she had a pool table there was booze there like it was just it was it was very fun it was, it was a nice house it was really nice the thing that i remember about you was you were always a fixture at the shawls like when i was at the shawls you were there i don't think i ever i there i i can't even count how many times i've been there but i don't ever remember being there without you being there yes they i think my involvement in hardcore kind of coalesced with them being a band and when they when they stopped i stopped for a little while i never stopped listening to it but i don't know i didn't think i went to as many shows and i didn't really like reignite till later so let's jump ahead we kind of, we reconnected after you were done college yeah in like 2004 I still remember it you messaged me on myspace <laughs> oh lord yeah. that dates us and uh you're like hey uh we should get together and then we go out together at the great american oh yeah the to pub. the pub over at, yeah street road pub and i remember like i was it was with my girlfriend at the time it was me and her and you and we just 
drank a lot and uh how could you not yeah and i don't know i it was it was, was a, their happy hour from 10 o'clock till two for, it was 10 till 12 wasn't that it 10 till 12 was two dollar long island iced teas that's that's just criminal it was oh, that was a, uh, that we would go in there and drink like a hundred dollars worth of booze the tab would be like five bucks oh my yeah 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 i'm i'm surprised more bad didn't happen as a result of that well a bunch of people got fired yeah i remember there was, that there was a rash of firings there was also a handful of uh there's a handful of duis that came out of that <laughs> that place as well that people, place is closed now right it we're, is we're not blowing anybody up right? no no right. no 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 right. uh it's actually being reopened now with the worst name in possible history it's called quaker steak and lube oh god yeah like so you know like quaker state like the oil like they, yeah. so like they they call it quaker steak so it's like but no one Wait, wants to go eat is somewhere. Is it a restaurant? The, it's a fucking restaurant. It's a restaurant called Quaker Steak and Lube. That's what the sign says. Dude, that can't be. It is. Do you, do you want to go somewhere to eat that the word lube is in the name? Like, nobody, like, I, I don't go, like, let's go eat at, you know, no. the diarrhea place. Like, it's, <laughs> this is an awful name to include in your, pla- in, you know, the naming your restaurant. Like, somebody should have seen that a mile away. I mean, like, why don't we just call it Quaker Steak? Oh, but God. the lube part was just brutal. But, yeah, no, so that, that became... Um, a fixture of like that's what we did we just hung out there uh that was our thursday nights for a long time and wednesday nights and friday nights yeah oh yeah friday oh, friday and saturday nights for sure but it was definitely like a thursday night thing like i can't that. believe well i mean there's countless times in my life i can't believe i lived through but that era is one yeah. of them yeah uh, so there we started hanging out more when you got back from college and then you know when Rich and I were doing party promotion. Oh, yeah, that's right. At Ruba. You're, yeah, with Ruba. That was great. You were around for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I lived with in the Survivor house. Yes. With that, Doug. You were around for a lot of that. Yeah. A lot of hanging was, out. Because that's when... So when they got the Survivor house, that was like... I remember being down there. That was pretty much every weekend. Was like, for me, was like, go hang out with Bobby and Doug. You know, go to Atlantis. You know, go party. Go to different places. Just go hang out. You know, it was that was just a, such a fun time because it was like, I mean, it was really before that neighborhood had completely changed over to like, you know, dudes with beards and flannels. <laughs> yeah. And you know. it was still, well, I mean, parts of it are still wild, but, yeah. but like, nothing like it is now. No, I, I remember the first night I think. I was I stayed down there, and of course every time I went down there I stayed down. There was no way I was driving home from anything like that. Um, I I sitting out front, uh, and at the time I was smoking. I, I I walked out on the front stoop and I was having a cigarette, and you know being from like suburban Philadelphia, I like I was used to the ice cream truck coming around, but the pizza truck came by. Oh God! At like, I remember that now. One o'clock in the morning, and it's just a dude with a. You know, it's a goddamn ice cream truck, and the guy's literally just selling slices of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like... There would be a, a loud bell. I never once had that pizza. I just couldn't fathom buying pizza from a truck. You it, know? Is, it was pretty... Especially at 1 o'clock in the morning. On You've Friday. had it? Oh, yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it was delicious. I mean, like, you know, from what I can remember, which was very little, but yeah. I do remember buying two slices and getting a soda. <laughs> I, got a, I got a can of Coke and two slices... And I think the total was three dollars and fifty cents. Like it was good. insanely cheap, and uh, you know I had been drinking, so everything was delicious. So how did we? We've hung out fairly regularly since two thousand six, I'd say. Yeah. Not every day. No. But how did but, we transition into like talking every day? 
Do you remember? <sighs> no, I really don't. And I think a lot of it came down to like I had moved. So after I was done college, I had started working. My main career has been in education. So I had always worked in schools teaching. And the first job I had gotten was teaching in an alternative school. So kids who had been kicked out of uh, regular public schools. And I, I remember starting to talk to you specifically about with our kind of group of people, a lot of us didn't have regular careers. You know, musicians, bartenders, like they, they had, you know, they were either chasing some type of dream or they were doing something that wasn't um, very, like we were, you know, shirt and tie kind of guys. Yes, and, uh, that's still, still to this day. Yeah. Uh, there are days when I'm like, should I just move back to Philly and like <laughs> just try to play music and like b bartend or like something like, because I, it's, I don't know, it seems... It seems awesome it to does. do what you what, what you want to do all the time. I mean, there's no security, but I, I still contemplate it a lot. I, I think there was a large part of that was I lived the regular, normal, everyday guy life of nine to five working. Uh, I was teaching science at the time. And my weekends was me, you know, playing pretend and pretending I was that person. Uh, the nice part was that I was making decent money and I could go down there and party my ass off and, and hang out and do whatever I wanted for two days. Yes. Um, you know, crash on Doug's couch and, you know, sleep there. And that was, that was our lives. And I think a lot of it came down to, it was, you know, being in Philly, there's so many different things you can do with just the nightlife and just being like, let's go to shows. Like that was another thing that really got me. Like when I was in college, uh, Wilkesboro only had a couple really big venues. Um, it was home had, base, right? Yeah, home base. This guy Bob Mack ran. Uh, I remember him. Bob Mack was a really, really nice guy. He DJed he, one of my parties. He was a really nice guy. Um, he was very, very polite to me. He was. Uh, uh, I had done a radio show on um, King's College Radio on Friday nights, and I would do like punk, hardcore, metal like all just those three kind of like thrown together and just kind of mix through stuff um, and talk a little bit in between. Um, the nice part is, is that with going to college, I met a good deal of people that had never really been exposed to hardcore. So this is the other thing is I'm kind of a closeted, uh, <laughs> kind of a meathead when it comes to stuff like this. Yes, you are. So I, I've always been vaguely athletic not like in, insane. You guys should see him. He's he's giant. He was so, he was so he was very skinny like I am when I back in the day when we were kids. And he's he's yeah. giant now. I would not I would not want to get into an altercation with him. I just wouldn't. So uh, I, a large part of that came from I I started playing. I had always played lacrosse, and then when I went to college, um, I hadn't thought about playing anymore. They didn't. They, it was a Division three team. There wasn't much interest in it, and I made friends with this kid named Chris Riley, and he was, he lived up on the fifth floor, um, in my building. And King's College is, a, it's a Catholic university, so dormitories are separated by sex. So there's a boys' dorm and a girls' dorm. So uh, I lived in the boys' dorm. Riley lived above me, and I remember he was one of the first people that I, like, came up to me and was like, "Yo, you should, like, we have a lacrosse team here, play lacrosse." So. I started playing and one of the things that we thought was really funny was 
we would play music when we would come out on the field and the whole idea was is you would play like the most obnoxious thing ever to kind of like put people off their game like especially i remember we used to play a, a school from central pennsylvania called uh, messiah it was a christian university and when i say christian i mean like these dudes were like everybody had the long hair looking like jesus like it super nice guys the most polite team i've ever played they're christian they have to be nice they, they were so nice but we used to do stuff to kind of throw them off their game. And one of the things that came out was like, we would start playing. Like, I remember the one day we came out to um, ISIS's <laughs> Sea of Red. Dude, that, the, that, that is like... Over the PA uh, in a large stadium. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's so confusing because it starts out with that little girl's voice. Yeah, the sample, when, the yeah, Sea of Red. Yeah. When, honey, when was I away? That's one I'm of like the sure. all-time classic riffs. I, I remember we were at that uh, that ISIS show at the truck, and like yeah. I had never heard that that song, and I was oh like, I was on acid, and I was whacked. <laughs> I didn't know what was. There was like a fight breaking out next to me. I did, and I, and I just remember that. I just remember hearing that riff, like permeating through the air, and then finally, like eight years later. I actually listened to the record and I was like, this is one of the best songs I've ever it heard. Crushing. Um, so that's one of the, uh, the things that really helped me kind of feel a little bit more at home in college was uh, my friend Chris Riley, uh, my friend Paul Moran, my friend Chuck Moran. Uh, idly, they are not related. Just another set of Irish Catholic kids. <laughs> There's a lot of us. There's a lot of us running around that are into the same, the same goofy shit. So um, we really uh, started like kind of like talking about music and just trading music and a lot of the stuff that Chris really kind of gravitated towards was heavier music that he had never heard before. And it was really cool because he was like this, I remember the girls at school used to call him the God. <laughs> he was yeah. like, he's a handsome dude. And he, I remember he, that. He was like, he was like really, really, uh, he was like handsome. He was well-dressed. Um, he still is. He was the captain of the lacrosse team. Like it was just everything about him was like, it, he was the, if it was an 80s movie, he was the guy with the Letterman jacket. That with the sweater tied around the neck. Be like, you know, he, he was the he was the antagonist. Yeah. He was the guy like making someone's life hell. But he's nice. He's, he's not. The, he's he's the, the, nicest, the nicest person. But in the context of that, like he literally is. He's chasing the karate kid around the fucking gymnasium yeah. with the goddamn skeleton uniforms on. Like he's, that's a, he's, he's Johnny he's, Lawrence. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't even know the name. That's so good. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that uh, I think. I started taking him to shows at Cafe Metro, and that's where actually uh, you posted a couple of the pictures of. Oh uh, yes, yeah, that yes. Riley Thank you, taken. Chris, for submitting those and others that Chris had taken at um, at Cafe Metro of a life once lost, and he was just for him. I think that first seeing it, especially like like hardcore like that, was shocking. But the other thing that he really enjoyed was like the kind of camaraderie, the brotherhood of it. And the, the connection he always used to make was like, it was, it's like a team. Like it was like our team. We were these guys that, you know, all banded together around a single common goal. Like, that's what people said. That's what people always said, even who weren't into the music. They said they really like the community and the camaraderie of it. And I definitely 
agree with that. That's probably my favorite part because, like we were mentioning earlier, I didn't like who I was before I got into this music. I was concerned with petty things, like stupid things. I had, I didn't know what my beliefs were, and this community, this music, has shaped my entire being and given pointed me in the right direction, given me my ideals, given me purpose. Even now, we're doing this thing. Like it is, just always brings me back around, and I'm I'm forever forever grateful for that. So, let me before we continue, let me let me break in here and say, that's kind of the purpose of this whole thing is to make that community again. That's why we're doing the Instagram page. I guess I'll make a Twitter eventually. I just I just don't want to right now because yeah. I'm on the fucking Instagram so much now much touch to the chagrin of my girlfriend and my friends who i go out to eat with and myself it's it i'm on it a lot i i've put a lot of time into it i just don't have time for two things right now so maybe there will be a twitter eventually not right now but reach out to us the ne scene on instagram reach out to us through email northeast scene at gmail.com we want to hear from you too we because you know we want to hear about the classic venue in your town that's still there or no longer is. We want to hear uh, crazy stories uh, from your scene. You know, we'll change names to protect the yeah. innocent and oh, not yeah. innocent. Yeah. We want to hear about bands and tours you went on and tour stories. Like, we want to hear all that stuff. We're going to be offering up some of our own. We're going to have some interviews with, with people from our scene. You know, it just we just want to keep building on this thing so again the ne scene on instagram or northeast scene at gmail.com reach out to us email us get in touch with us we we want to hear from you I, I i can't stress enough that's one of the things that like draws me back to a lot of the things especially on instagram or even like I, things i'm part of on facebook like hardcore merch swap like that kind yeah of stuff. all these pages i discovered <laughs> this whole community that i love so while while we're on this subject, check out uh, Delaware '90s Hardcore. Did that that is a page similar to ours, and he's doing this whole tape conversion thing, uh, old show tapes, Tim Morris tapes. Tim they're Morris, doing yeah, yeah, they're doing what I wish I was doing, but I threw out my <laughs> fucking tapes like an idiot. And but it, it's Delaware '90s uh, Hardcore. That's a great page. Is it Hardcore HC? One of those. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so just search it because it is one of those ones that I consistently go back to. That page is great. And the nice part is, is they do stuff like that I enjoy where he'll just like post things like, hey, just introduce yourselves. Like, because it really is like the whole idea behind this is that it's a community and just people in general who have, I think that hardcore provides a place for those who don't feel like they fit in anywhere. That's why I got involved with it. I had no well i had friends but like i i just got kicked around my whole life and never felt like i had anywhere to go and you know and i've always been into music mm. like i've always been into yeah. music since as young as i can remember and oh here's a good question first oh. show all right this is good <laughs> actually my first show i think was at the shaw house that was the first this day forward show actually and I remember running into a guy from my high school. And oh, yeah. yeah, and he didn't say like, "Hey, Keith, how's it going?" or "Hey, good to see you." He's like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Hanging out." First significant show that I remember. It was at 
Middlesex County College. This is how. This is this is what we'll do. This is how did we get hooked? This is yeah. how I got hooked. First show, big show, uh, Middlesex County County College in Jersey. It was for the love of turmoil, Dillinger Escape Plan, Converge. There was more bands, but I can't remember now. Keep in mind, I didn't know. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I and. Everyone's like Dillinger, Dillinger. We got to see Dillinger, and I'm like, okay. I'm I'm standing right up front, right up front. I've never seen this band. I've never heard this band. I have no idea what's going to happen. They start playing. The place explodes. There's guitars. The guy is swinging. The Ben is Ben is just hitting people. Yeah, he's, he's not just, even playing. He's anyway. swinging he's the guitar right in my face. People are jumping on top of my head. There's two giant guys dressed as clowns just pummeling people. <laughs> There was blood all over the the floor. Someone oh. drew a pentagram in it. Oh yeah. I I was hooked. That's... I was hooked. Do you ever see that movie Green Room? No. There's a scene where they're like playing. The, there's a punk rock band and they're playing and it's like slow motion when they're playing and someone stage dives and there's like this uplifting music playing. It, it was like that moment. <laughs> it was that for me. Th- like, yeah, this this was, is... I'm like this is. I was hooked. This is where I belong. I was hooked and from then on it was just a never ending pursuit of like. I remember back in the day, it was like a big deal. Like, how long have you been into hardcore? And like, how many CDs do you have? Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was everyone or just me, but like, you know, I was like, I have to have the most CDs. And I used to like count the date I got into hardcore. I'm like, I can't wait until I'm into hardcore for like five years. Then I'll be like, <laughs> I'll have more clout than everybody else. Like dumb shit like that. And But that was that was like, that was like my turning point. And I didn't really like the music at first because it was like too much screaming. But I remember hearing, in Mike Shaw's car, I remember hearing Program Behind, the oh, Caven song. Yeah. And they have like that singing part at the end. Yeah. Right then I was like, oh, I could get into this. Yeah. So that was, yeah, I got into hardcore like the late 90s metallic boom. Yeah. The the big three, the the three C's, Converge, Caven, Coalesce. So I don't, that that's like my starting point. So I listen to a lot of that. I don't go too much for there's some classic stuff i like but i don't know but that that's my sweet spot so yeah give me your first show where you got hooked all right my first show where i got hooked so my first show ever that my sister my sister took me to when i was i think i was in fifth grade warrington skating rink yes um ween 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 that's not hardcore though okay but this is my first show so i went to that and i was like wow this is really cool because there were a lot of people there. It's the warrington skating rink it was some benefit to i guess save the place or something like that but ween played and i remember being like I really like live music. So that was really cool. Okay. Um, but that first show I went to with my sister was Atari and some other straight edge bands um, from Kutztown. The show that really got me into hardcore, um, Anthony and I went to a place in Warminster called, um, I think it was called Auto Styling Incorporated, and Dillinger played. Ooh. So that, Wait, was that the garage? Yes. So Didn't that, Did you see that flyer on, on Instagram recently? I I did. Uh, I actually saw a couple other ones from Auto Styling that I went. I was at that one too. It was really close to our ho- our houses, so we, so Dillinger got you too. Dillinger was one of the, the that was the band that I remember being so enamored with. Like this is it's chaos. It was um, scary. It was and it, well, that was the other thing was like it. Yes, there is this like kind of brotherhood or camaraderie that goes along with being at shows, but that there was also a a real feeling of this is genuinely dangerous. Yes. Uh, I still love that aspect of it. Especially, well, 
uh, auto styling was a weird place because it was literally, I'm not exactly sure who started with that venue, but it definitely was, it was an auto body shop. They tried their best to kind of keep things at a minimum in terms of like the tools weren't out or anything like that. But during Dillinger, somebody picked up a tire, um, started <laughs> swinging a tire around. I actually, I found the video on YouTube. Actually, I remember that. Anthony, yeah. Anthony found the video and texted me and said, yo, check out this video. I think it was 97, maybe 98. It was at auto styling. I don't remember exactly the, the, the year of it, but he was like, oh, do you see us? And I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, no. I don't know. I watched through the video and I, I thought I saw a glimpse of me for a second. And he texted me back. He was like, idiot, look at the thumbnail. And literally, if you look at the thumbnail, it's like the front of the stage with Dillinger. And you can see me clearly, like standing right there. I have a white shirt on. I have green army pants that I got from I Goldberg in Philly. <laughs> that was, and I remember you sent me that video. The, the hardcore kid uniform back then was white t shirt, yep. gelled hair. Mm hmm. And green cargo pants or like green cargo shorts or or, or camo. tan or camo yeah, or camo yeah. or tan or khaki yeah like every the white t shirt thing was running, like running running shoes yeah uh, you could wear like that was like the one that really struck me was just everybody had gray New Balances for a while or uh, the Saucony Saucony's yeah. yeah. That was like some late 90s, early 2000s shit. That's like what everybody had. And it was like, uh, it was very funny. It's like you can still date things by like what people are wearing. I watched a video of uh, A Life Once Lost at Palanca Park not that long ago. The amount of track jackets. Oh my God. In the audience is, is fucking staggering. <laughs> like you're just it's looking just, at it like, holy shit, did, did everybody just go to Old Navy and get a track jacket that day? Like, yes. Like, it was or Express. Or Express. Uh, yeah. My, I miss my Express <laughs> track jacket still. Remember and like Dickies, like hardcore oh. kids thought Dickies were like fashionable for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I so, had them. So it was a weird thing. So Anthony and I remember, I, I, we got into very much like the super like the fast core kind of things, like Charles Bronson. Yes. And I remember the first time we saw the guys from Charles Bronson. We saw a picture of the dudes from Charles Bronson, and the next day, I think. Anthony cut his bangs like the Spock, the Spock haircut. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, that was a weird. It was yeah. very funny. Was I? I, re, I vividly remember this. Is it, he came over the house, or he? I, I was over actually at um, my ex girlfriend's house. Yes, and him and Gregory Itzen, who actually Greg actually ended up playing an audience on one for a period of time. He was All on right. the he was on the recording for the EP, but. Um, Greg and him came over, and both of them had identical haircuts. They had literally just gone into Greg's bathroom with like, like, like not even like real like haircutting. Like, like they literally just cut their hair like straight across in the front, and, and everybody looked like Mr. Spock there for a hot minute. Like that was a weird phase. Extra and then, small shirts, way too tight pants. The hair dye. Hair I dyed dog. my hair black for like six years. I. It was such a pain in the ass. I. I never dyed my hair. I always had my head shaved for the most part. Yeah. I, I, from the time I was probably about 17, 16, 17, I really started cutting my hair. And a lot of it, I hate to go back to like meathead stuff, was like, it, like it, it, I did not like having my hair like all matted inside my helmet. <laughs> so like there was a large part of it was just like that kind of thing. The other thing was is that I was never one for like when my hair grew out. My hair was so thick. You would never know now because I'm like unbelievably bald. But my hair was so thick that it did that thing where 
when it grew to a certain length, the end just curled up. So I, right. I kind of ended up with this, as my mom said, uh, I, I tried to cut my hair the one time and she was like, you look like Prince Valiant from the comics. And I was oh, like, God. Ugh, you know what? It, it was like the He-Man cut. It was so dumb. And I remember really being like, I grew my hair out and I, I think it was maybe a few days later. I just went, I got up in the morning looked at my hair and in the bathroom that morning, like I shaved my head. I was like, I'm just not doing this anymore. I was like, I can't, I can't be doing this. This is so ridiculous. It was too much maintenance. And on top of that, I really didn't like the way it looked. And it was it, the, the funny part was like, I remember I shaved my head and I, sh- I showed up at, at my girlfriend's house at the time. And she was like, Oh my God, you cut your hair. And I was like, Oh, kind of. Like, yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, it looks so much better. <laughs> it was like everybody wanted to say to you, like, you look like a complete dork. Like, don't wear your hair like that. But nobody said anything. So, like, when I finally cut it, people were like, oh, my God, you look so much better with your head shaved. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank God, man. So the inception of this podcast, I remember, I remember, I would say the first moment without us knowing was uh remember when i was going to the movies with pat and we came by your house we were going to stop by your house for a minute oh my god and we ended up not going and yeah. just drinking and like telling stories about the old times was this in ben salem this is when yes I, this is the apartment of ben salem yeah you guys are on your way to the movies you called me and i said yeah come over and i said oh here let me just let's make drinks like if you guys are hanging out let's make drinks we'll yeah sit around and play with the dog and we just sat around to telling bs stories like this all night so that was like phase one yeah phase two i think after i made the instagram i was like if we hit a thousand followers yeah we'll do a podcast i do remember saying that like you, and then being outside kung fu necktie talking to, to pat yeah pat troxel and I. we were like, like dude this is it this is there's so many funny stories and especially um not even just funny things, like things that were just um, kind of like moments in time that were just telling of like what the scene was like. Or, or It's just the preservation of those things is so important to me just because it was, it was a formative time in my life when I really kind of like you said, that's where a lot of the things that like you look on your life and, and where it is presently and you go, wow, a lot of this in terms of my decision making, in terms of like where where I am now, comes from hardcore. And yes. I think like like right now, so this is my I'm entering my eighth year. I teach at a charter school. I feel like every day I get to go to work, I get to do something where I'm literally making a difference. And I think a lot of that came from me really wanting to with the scene it was always like give back. Like it's not like you know, like yes, come and have fun, but like there was always that willingness of like, I'm going to set up a table. I'm going to make something. I'm going to book a show. I'm going to do this because without those people that were, you know, like people like Pat and Bobby Meadows, like without those people setting those shows up, a lot of this stuff would have never happened. I would have never been exposed. There were times where, um, I would go to see a show just because I knew Bobby was doing it. Yeah. If, if, if I knew they were doing the show, I would go even if I didn't know the bands. Yeah. Not something I would do today. No. However, back then, it was good. And, uh, yeah, that you know, that's, again, that's what we want this thing to be. It's just a collective of, of scenes and stories, and we want to hear from you. So, again, reach out to us, the NE scene on Instagram or northeastscene at gmail.com. Talk to us. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll read your emails on the air and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's the other. It, that, that's one of the things. And it doesn't just have to be the Northeast. Now, no. I am partial to the Northeast because the Northeast is the greatest. I've lived in Philly. <laughs> I've lived in New York. We're, we're in Center City, Philadelphia right now. I yeah. came down here and uh, got a nice hotel room here so we could record this thing. Tommy lives outside of Philly. I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. I, you know, so we got to... We got to get in person to do this, but I'm glad I got here to, down here to do it. But yeah, we want to hear from you. So what were you going to say? No, I think getting back to like the, like the kind of like participation part of this is we don't care if you were in a band. We don't care if you were like, we want to hear what you got, like your experience with hardcore was because. You know, or is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I forgot my point of, of before we, we want to hear from people all over the place. It yeah. doesn't just have to be the Northeast. Yeah, so I love California. I love the Midwest. I just want to live here. Yeah. So everybody, yeah, so reach out. I, I, I think one of the things with me that I especially like resonated with, like, just I, I've always been a storyteller. I like telling stories. I think when people get to express to others like what their time was like in a certain place, you know, it's 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 transformative it really gets people are searching for that thing that, yeah that. i love stories of old scenes like when you read about like the old lower east side cbgb stuff yeah. or like out in california like the whole black flag and all that stuff i you know i want to hear we want to hear that stuff everywhere oh. like the, i love old hardcore stories old gang stories uh fights drugs oh. uh you know again <laughs> Names will be per- yeah. names will be changed to protect the innocent and not innocent. I, we don't want anything coming back on us. Uh, I don't like getting beaten up. No, it's not oh fun. Lord. It's happened. It has happened. Oh. I would like it to not happen again. <laughs> but yeah, reach out to us. Yeah, the vendettas through hardcore are always interesting ones oh. that were. Oh god. You know, oh this. You know this. I always thought it was funny. It was going to another place and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, just you know, insert ridiculous name crew runs this place," and you were like. You would see them show up, and you're like, "Hilarious, dude! It's a, it's like seventeen year olds with like dyed black hair and tight pants." Like I'm like in my head, I'm going like I, the the meathead inside of me is like, "I can beat every single one of these kids up. I'm not gonna, like, they run nothing here. Like I can walk in here and like Godzilla and just stomp the shit out of everybody. I don't give a fuck. Like like so that was really funny. Was you know these kids are in charge. It's like are they? Like I I I always felt like, you know. This is uh, what's that Italian thing? The the mafioso uh, La Cosa Nostra, and it, like La Cosa Nostra stands for like it's this thing of ours. And when those that crew beef always came up of like this crew versus that crew, and it was like, bro, this is fucking our thing. Like you don't get to you you don't get to monopolize this. You don't get to take this away from us. Literally, this is you are dealing with a group of mostly male who feel disenfranchised and feel kind of relegated to the the fringes of society yes. they're kind of the last people you want to fuck with exactly especially <laughs> when there's a huge number of them and they are literally bound together by things that they in their core believe in i'm glad i yeah i always kind of stayed out of trouble <laughs> <laughs> and i tried to do that still I, but i think that was also for me the the rebelliousness of hardcore um became a big part of like I, 
I felt boxed in by like, you have to be good at school. You have to do well in sports. You have to be a part of this. You're going to get a, you know, you're going to college on a scholarship. You're going to this, you know, private school. Like you're going to do this. And hardcore was my way of being like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to do this fun stuff with my friends. And on top of that, um, I, I you felt part of something that was much larger than you. like greater And than I the- still do. I look back on it and I'm like, I'm friends with a lot of bands I looked up to. I've gotten to play with some of these people. I've been on tours. Hopefully we'll be playing music still. That's to be determined. But you know what? It's awesome. Yeah. We don't know how often this thing is going to air, but once it's up, give us high ratings and comments on iTunes and Podbean or whatever the hell I upload this thing. Reach out through Instagram and email. Again, the Instagram is the NE scene on Instagram or email northeastscene at gmail.com. Reach out to us, tell us stories. And then give us feedback on what you want to hear, like what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear. Like uh, that was too much on the, you know, whatever. Like if we spend too much time on something, you know, let us know like so we can really kind of if you want to hear less of Tommy, I can certainly make that happen. Please <laughs> let me know. And yeah, it's not just going to be us BSing. We've got some interviews lined up with some good friends of ours in the scene. Yeah. And we want to we want to get out there and interview other people, too, who we like. So uh, get in touch. Yeah. So that's it. That's the first episode. Thank you. And Thanks, uh, guys. talk to you soon. Peace. Woo!